Welcome, friends, to Tanked Up, the podcast all about video games and beer. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, here with Adol. Hey! How you doing, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Good. Good. I was As at, am um, I. Yeah, I, I was at a um, craft beer pub earlier today, ostensibly working on job applications for a job I have. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Nice thing is, though, because I actually, I should show you the thing. It's, uh, yeah, I'm like, hello, I am currently applying for the teaching fellow in philosophy bracket, job number bracket, uh, at Durham University, period. I am currently employed as a teaching fellow in philosophy at Durham <laughs> University. I'm like, fuck it. If, if you're going to make me apply this job again, I'm going to just say it in my first two lines. <laughs> oh. Just thought, I mean, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense to be like, you are making me do the thing. Yeah. Yes. Um. Did you, any good beers at the, at the place um, early? Nothing super remarkable, but I realized that uh, I was at a coffee shop with a friend first, and then um, we had a lot of Skittles, and I think it kind of fucked my taste buds up for a bit. Right, because, yeah. Uh, the, I tried two different beers, and they both had an aspartame finish and i was like oh that's weird Polly's doesn't usually have this type of average uh, finish and then i had something else very different i was like ah oh, do- oh skittles yeah yeah they are very strong yeah yes and uh, what are you drinking now so this is the thing i, I thought we might have had a longer episode because um oh no i accidentally hit a button and now microsoft teams is anyway um so i'm drinking tint meadow oh nice yeah uh, the English Trappist Ale, strong mm. ale brewed by the monks of Mount St. Bernard Abbey in Charnwood Forest. Uh, the only Trappist beer in England, I believe, in the UK, yes. actually. Yes. Um, so with this beer, we've returned to a 19th century tradition of brewing in our abbey. When our brethren arrived in 1835, they settled in a poor cottage on Tint Meadow, now an extension of our monastic enclosure. This drive, uh, yeah, so water, barley, malt, sugar, hops, yeast. So I've heard from a couple people that it's not a bad Trappist. Mm-hmm. But also, I happen to have on my fridge another Trappist beer. Oh, nice. And I, I figured I would day. just have these two green-capped tra- Trappist beers and uh, talk about... Uh, the relative differences, which might be a bit unfair given one of them is my favorite beer almost of all time. Um, but I had both, and I thought it'd be a fun little. No, that's fair. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I had the I had the eight uh, mm. whilst I was in France, uh, oh, walking, oof. walking, sold in a supermarket. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just like cool. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, like three uh, so. Euros. This is a 33 centiliter, seven point four percent Trappist ale. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually kind of unfair because it's more akin to the six then. Yes, yeah. What's well, the eight? Oh, nine, and for those nine, of you who haven't kept up, it's the Trappist Rock of Four Six Eight Ten a series that we were talking about on mm. as the other ones. Uh, what well, it's the eight nine point nine nine. Uh, sorry, nine or nine point two nine point four. Yeah, something something around there. Nine, the six uh, is like seven point, point something. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, well, I'm I'm going to drink another French beer. This week, nice. Um, I'm I'm coming up to that uh, uh, alcohol percentage as well. Um, I am drinking a nine percent. I would assume it's a double IPA, but I can't be sure. They don't give me a style. There might be some things on the internet I could probably look at, but this is Super Smash. 
Super Ooh. Smash. Uh, from uh, Brasserie de Abba. I guess it's Abba. A-B-E-R-S. Um, it is, as I say, 9%. I don't know enough uh, French to know what the very small chart tells me. I don't think it will focus enough for mm. the uh, no. uh, for the text to mm. be legible, at least on the screen. Uh, but the words are Coolia, C O U L E U R, Amatum, or Amatum maybe A M E R T U M E, Ronda, R O N D E U R, and Ooh, Puissance. P-U-I-S-S-A-N-C-E. There's the most of that in it. Mm. I don't know, but again, don't know what that means, but there's like 80% puissance, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, so yeah, I think it's a double IPA, but we'll find out, I suppose, very shortly. Um, and come back to Tint Meadow. Mm-hmm. Have you had this before? I have, not for a while. Um, I think... Uh, it probably tried it, there's probably a podcast episode with me having it I think Lucy may have also had it on an episode um, but uh, what did it release maybe three or four years ago now um, as a beer uh, maybe mm. longer than that maybe more like five or, or six even um, but probably had it somewhere around that first year I would say mm. um, I won't give people a, an episode range because I've got no fucking idea uh, but search for it on outoflives.net and you hmm. might find multiple 20... entries 17 okay but, oh, sorry that's when it joined the International Trappers Association and it was released on 2018 July hmm. okay and in September 17th 2018 it received the authentic Trappist product label and became the 12th official Trappist beer I didn't realize there were oh, only 12 no I didn't either hmm. it's not many by July 2019, the Abbey produced 37,000 bottles of Tint Meadow and was struggling to satisfy demand. It was said to have become particularly popular in Belgium and the Netherlands. Hmm. Nice. Hmm. Currently has an overall rating of 97 on Ridge Beer, 99 in the context of the style. That's actually interesting. Um, if you search for Tint Meadow on outoflives.net, nothing hmm. comes up. Yeah. So it's in an episode time where I didn't tag things... Appropriately, um, or I didn't, because I was—that's definitely the era where I might have been <laughs> also doing that. Um, we just threw them up, and no one cared. Mm. It's got a bit of an orangey color to it. It's not as super brown. Mm. Um, I got it. It's a very cola-esque, watery smell nose. This was a little wet. Um, yeah, a little, like, I guess it must be a licorice type smell that I'm getting mm-hmm. that makes it sort of cola-y. Um, and a little sweet, but quite quite a light nose. Hmm, still a bit wet for me. Okay. A little thin. Uh, you can actually notice, like, the head didn't sort of stick around. It did build that much. Probably had about a finger of head, but lasted, you know... Not a lot of time. Uh, um, sorry, my yeah. I would say a bit chocolate. Um, 
found a little more of that licorice. Um, it's quite... So after a couple of sips, it's coated my palate. That wetness and the taste is kind of fading away. Mm. It feels a lot more rich. Um, I think it just needed a bit of a moment for me to acclimatize. It's, it just um, settles slightly. Yeah, I, I think the the head looked like it would stick around more, and and I think I just was expecting something creamier on the pour, off the pour. Mm-hmm. It's still quite. I think that seven percent is doing a bit of work to give it a bit of a viscosity. Um, and and because of that, it does coat the t- the mouth really well. So like, I would recommend having first sip kind of doing a bit of a swish to just hit all those points, so the subsequent mm-hmm. sips are a bit um, more even. Yeah, the finish is a bit dry and sweet. Mm. It's got a bit of peak sweetness and then kind of dry, which I really like actually because because it's not too in your face, not too strong tasting. Everything's sort of at a nice casual level of taste, like nothing's in your face, but all those tastes are there. Um, I like that it finishes a bit, just a bit dry, so it's not lingering that much, but it's not so dry that you're like must quench thirst again so it kind of gives you allows you to come back on your own time and i i have a feeling the finish is going to get a little more nuanced by the end just because i'm noticing the sweetness is sticking around a bit more okay um the dark chocolate taste especially is kind of lingering on different corners of my mouth Mm. um yeah it's really good uh i don't know if i've had it before i can't remember but it tastes like a Trappist. Um, you know, I think what the people were telling me, you'd be surprised even though it's not Belgian. It's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it's from an old recipe. It tastes like it's a Trappist. It's got the badge, apparently. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm actually... I'm really digging that little bit of peak sweetness with the... It comes at about the same time as the licorice kind of peaks as well. Mm. It gives it a nice... It takes it, it, with that sweetness. Um, it makes sure it's not too cola esque. The two together just give it a bit of a different peak. So even though the smell, the nose was a bit cola y, the rest isn't. It's it's a very good beer. Um, yeah, this to be honest, this is because it's a bit lighter and like in the sense that it doesn't feel heavy and it doesn't have quite as boisterous or boozy a taste as some other Trappist. It feels like a really good summer Trappist, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I I would like to drink it again uh, uh, soonish. Um, try and pick it up uh, when I head to a bottle shop next, perhaps. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's been several minutes since I uh, have had that to have any kind of uh, recollection at all. Uh, um, what you've described sounds lovely. I'd like to drink that again. So uh, yes, um, difficult to retain that taste of a beer. Unless it really absolutely smashes you. Um, beers like that, which are like good and solid mm. and will be the same the next beer drink, still difficult to, to retain that knowledge to come back to in several years. To go, oh yeah, this is similar to what I drank previously without being like, is it? They could have changed mm. the recipe entirely and I'd have no idea. <laughs> um, but being a, a Trappist beer, I imagine... It is going to be almost exactly the same. Um, every you know batch that they kind of uh, put out, um, but yeah, nice. Good to know that it's still going as well. Um, 
So, the Super Smash for me. Mm. Um, it's quite light, but you can see a little bit of carbonation, but there's it's like the, the, there's bits, there's a few bits sort of floating in the uh, in the glass. Not that I've poured the entire thing in, so it's not. It might be a bit of sediment. You can see it's a, there's a little bit on the bottom of the bottle, hanging around. Um, the date on this beer, I would imagine it is the uh, expiry is the twenty third of August, twenty twenty six. So it's got a long old life uh, on it, uh, but a little bit of sediment floating around in my glass. Um, fizzed up quite a lot. But that's absolutely fine. And nose-wise, it's much more malty than I would have expected. Um, but as I say, this beer does not give me a style. Uh, there is nothing on here which says it is an IPA or a double IPA or a bigger something. Um, but but colour-wise, and being at 9%, I would think double IPA is probably what it would be classed as. But very, very malty. A little bit toffee, maybe, but a slight sort of a, a slight kind of sweetness on there. But maybe something that's edging a bit more towards it being slightly bready than than kind of that burnt sort of toffee-ish kind of flavour. It's somewhere in that sort of zone. Ooh, it's very rich as a flavour. It is more malty than anything else, but it's all the sweetness that you get on the nose folds into the flavour much nicer than the nose might suggest it would. So it's very smooth. It's got a touch of a body to it, a little bit chewy, not too much, but flavour-wise... It's got that kind of, and I think this is where the chewiness is coming in slightly, it's got that toffee kind of sweetness to it. It's not sort of fudge, it's not that kind of level. It's got that little bit of a slight kind of bitterness to it with that that, that, that sweetness, um, which is, again, why it, and it kind of has that little bit of breadiness to it still as a, as a malt as well in there. So there's, there's maybe several malts kind of, wrapped up into this beer doing a lot of the heavy work and um, doesn't taste like nine percent in any way at all tastes like it could be maybe just a bit of a sweeter um pale rather than a, like a nine percent kind of uh, uh beer and again with it being so malty a little bit of carbonation with it kind of driving that sweetness slightly um it's a bit of a conundrum as to how this beer is kind of presented as no style and just 9% liquid, I suppose. Um, but it's very nice and it's going back incredibly quickly. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Brasserie de Abba? I am That is there. No. I, don't actually, I think my knowledge account. of French beers is pretty low, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a lighthouse with the moon. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, two lighthouses with the moon. Um, the yeah, potentially, I suppose. Um, 
lots of I don't know whether it's a Brittany brewed uh, beer. I could have a look. Um, is that France is? I've only realised since coming back, France is split into like sectors rather than like counties. Um, mm. And where we were staying, I think it was sector twenty-two. <laughs> Seems like incredibly dystopian. Um, but this has a twenty-nine on it. Um, so I'm just going to put in two nine. This is information all available on the bottle. Eight three zero. Plural Mezzo. Oh no, it's an E. France. There we go. Google. Google knows. Uh, Plural Mezzo is a commune in France. It's a town in Brittany. There we go. It is in Brittany, in northwestern France. So this was local, local-ish brewed to uh, hmm. where I was staying. Uh, the departments, there you go, region, Brittany, Breton, uh, the department Finisterre, 29. It's near Brest, which was kind of southwest from where we were uh, staying. We were up on the north coast. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, locally-ish brewed beer um, for where I was. But uh, very nice so far. Um, probably, I maybe drank... Eight or ten different breweries, I suppose, including the couple of beers that I had on the episode last week. Um, this is definitely one of the nicer ones. Mm. But as I say, very easy, little, you know, quite sweet, um, but much more coming from the malts. So we'll see how this develops and see if it opens up at all uh, as we drink. But let's move on to video games, topics, what we've been playing, or anything we want to talk about. And essentially, for the episode, I'm handing over to you, mate, because I've done nothing. I've played nothing. I've... uh, Well, actually, that's not true. I did... As a very, very brief anecdote, I have been playing a little bit of Borderlands 3. Um, I might have mentioned it last week. Uh, Borderlands 3 came out two years ago, I think. Um, it was on PlayStation Plus as an extra right, tier game. Um, I 2019. Say it was. Mm, yeah. Okay, so what did I say? Two years ago? Four years ago. Wow. Um, so That's I, why I was I, like, oh. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed the Borderlands games. I thought I'd give it a go. I've been playing it. And suddenly, when I tried to play it yesterday, I didn't have access to it. Uh, it popped up saying... You don't have the correct era of PlayStation Plus to be able to play this. Uh, either purchase the game or up your Upgrade tier. Him. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And it's just gone from the extra catalogue. It's just been taken off. Um, so a game that I have played maybe like the first... Uh, it might not be... Well, I suppose it's an act. I've got to a very specific point in the story. Uh, I've done like the first big area or the first two, I suppose, big areas. And that's it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to play it anymore. Uh, it's like forty quid. I'm not paying that. So yeah, I'm not playing Borderlands anymore. Um, it was fine whilst I played it. It was Borderlands. It's no different to other Borderlands. You can probably buy the second game for like five quid these days. That's a great game. Play that one if you want to play Borderlands. Borderlands is weirdly one of the few games that I got a free code or something, so I own it on 
Vita. Oh wow! Okay, the first one. And I was like staring at it on uh, as I was <clears throat> filling up my memory card, um, and I was like, "Am I ever gonna play board?" Like, because I put basically I went on the PlayStation Store and filled up memory card with everything I own on Vita because I was like, "I don't know what's gonna happen to these servers," and sure. like I've got a larger memory card now, so I might as well take everything and then hopefully, you know, when they inevitably turn the servers off, it doesn't mean that they have to call home or someone has figured out a way of like mm-hmm. replicating that. And then I was like, I think I, oh, I should check. If I own this on Steam, there's no reason I'll ever play it on Vita. It's like just not going to be as good an experience. Um, and like if there, if you know, because there is some like online play, there's just the odds of someone on the Vita version playing versus <laughs> Steam. Uh, let's just say uh, my money ain't on the handheld. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I ended up just deleting. This was like a large game. Also, why? Why is Steam? There we go. Sorry, I also went to the wrong place. Um. And the Steam clients kind of crap these days. Yeah, they've updated it recently. Yeah, it seems a little kind of laggy and slow. Yeah, yeah. I have Borderlands Gotti. I got it in 2017, and I have Borderlands 2, uh, and Borderlands the pre-sequel, and Borderlands Gotti Enhanced, and oh, yes. Tales from the Borderlands on Steam. So, uh, I yeah. mean, I, I, well, Tales from the Borderlands is the best one. Is it? Yeah, because it's, it's a Telltale episodic yeah. narrative game. Um, did it actually end, or did it, like, it cliffhanger because they gave up on that? Uh, no, it did It did end. Um I think uh, again. Did it, was it last week? I mentioned there's a new Tales from the Borderland that's uh, that's oh, come out. Did, Maybe yeah. it's the week before. Um, no, it wasn't the week before. We didn't record the week before. Um, so yeah. Uh, uh, so they obviously note that that was a good game. Uh, the pre sequel, I think I played a little bit of, but again, it's just more shooty shooty Borderlands, um, just set before the first game. Um, so I would say two. If if you're gonna play it, if you want to. F- First-person shooter. Borderlands 2 is a solid kind of arcade shooter. Um, yeah, which is why I would never play it on Vita versus PC. Yes. For, like, yeah. frame rate. Like, the Vita stick is okay. Mm. It's better than the horrible nub in the PSP had. But, like, I'm... Let's be honest, I have a Steam Deck. If I was going to play it on a handheld... I'm going to play it on the powerful one with really good Joy-Cons, right? Yeah, or absolutely. Joysticks. Absolutely. Um, the, the the reason that I mentioned that uh, I've been playing it and that I'm no longer playing mm. it is because I had no idea that it was just going to be removed. Nothing popped up. Nothing said, hey, you, you've, been playing, you've been playing Borderlands 3. It's going to be removed from the store. You could buy it. Um, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I, I know um, that Game Pass... That is part of its messaging. You know, very much, hey, this game is leaving in like a week's time. You can get it right now for 20% off on the store. If you if you want to keep playing it, that is the option that you have. Whereas PlayStation is just like, ah, it's gone, mate. Buy the full yeah. version. Fuck you. Like, oh. Oh, all right. Okay, fine. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'll go fuck myself. Yeah, well, ex- exactly. I, I, well, I, I went and fucked myself and downloaded Final Fantasy VIII. Um... Because I was just Ooh. scrolling through the library. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to play. I want something to what play. What um, version? Uh, the remastered version. 
Mm. So where Squall is the best looking guy at the party. Um, with his jagged, awful face. Um, but... Uh, uh, do I have the remaster? <laughs> You've got... Yeah, you do. Actually, that's a, recent, a... that's a recent uh, uh, release, actually. Um, yeah, I don't think I have... Final Fantasy VIII uh, remastered. It's uh, on my wish list, $15.99, because another I just have... 2019 game. Mixed. Yeah, mixed. Very mixed. Uh, I mean, it looks it looks reasonable. I just want to play Triple Triad. Uh, really. This is not a remaster. They have just updated the character models and called it a day. Everything else is exactly the same. What an absolute disappointment. Give eight a proper remaster, Square. I mean, I think I think what they mean is they want a remake like seven. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's. Uh... But prettier than the PSX version, G4 system, six out of ten. Do not buy this. Not even on sale. Once you're an hour, the game will crash every ten minutes. Read other reviews. Also, a small window that says play upon open. Counts as play time. Okay. I mean, I'm probably quite happy doing it on say. Um... The PlayStation. I mean, if it's just it's the character be a, models uh, and wild things, I'm happy to playing the non-remastered version yeah, that I own. Yeah, um, and that's why it stayed on my wish list through multiple sales. Mm, mm. Uh, I know I, I want to play FF, but I might not play that because I've just got a code, uh, a PlayStation code for Somerville, which is a game that oh. came out on like uh, Xbox and PC. I think earlier in the year, um, it's just coming out on PlayStation at the end of August. So that will be likely be the f- the thing that I jump into next on the PlayStation when I it's get also some time. on my wish list. Um, I also wanted to play. Um, Lee got a uh, a PC code for um, oh shit, what game was it? Something else as well. Which we were like, yeah, that'd be cool to play. And he's like, have the code. I, I'm not going to play it on PC. I've got the Xbox version. Um, right. Something else I need to get to at some point um, because we have a code for it. But uh, uh, all things to come and discuss in future episodes at, at some point before the end of the year. Who knows when these things will actually happen. But uh, Oh, also, one of the codes we were offered is Cantata 1.0. I did the early access review oh, yeah. of that years, like a, couple, a year old. Two ago, yeah. Uh, there was another code of cut a week or two ago from a game I think you previewed as well, which yeah, we the Afogato, Afogato. That's it, yes. Um, but again, you're the. I don't know whether you had just a preview code, whether it's a demo, um, or whether it's just. I mean, it's now updated so to I, a full I, version. I, I've just looked at the. Um... My Steam library, and I own Cantata because I got the early access. So actually, um, if like if we want a review of the 1.0, I could do it without a code because I own it already, <laughs> thanks to the previous review. Yes, I think Afogado. I made the mistake of that was at the time where it's like maybe I should build my um, Switch library. Uh, uh, okay. And so I think I only own it on the Switch. Uh, and I didn't, I played a couple hours and I didn't get too deep into mm. it. Um, because it just takes a while to build up. It's like a reverse tower defense combat system, if I yep. recall. Yeah. Um, 
it was fun enough. Uh, check out our YouTube channel if you're curious. Um, I think that's one, not one of the ones I still have in a weird folder on an external drive that I found. It's like, oh, that's like half a year's worth. Well, no, that's like <laughs> two months worth of streams I never quite published. <laughs> There's loads of them, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we streamed them and then I talked about them on Tanked Up. Absolutely. absolutely. That's all we had to do, but had a period of time where I was like, oh, I'll just dump the unedited Let's Plays on YouTube. And I don't think they get much views. So I don't know if it was worth doing. <laughs> much like our YouTube our uh, videos for Tanked Up, which uh, last episode is currently sat, uh, loaded into um, uh, the editing program, ready for me to actually get some time to do it. But that will be up for you, friends. You probably heard it already. There you go. Um Cool. That's me. That's all I've done. That's 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 all I've got for this week. Uh, but I know that you found a little bit of time to play something. I did. I um. So last week I talked about getting the Vita. Um, I have a topic about that stemmed from farting around on the Vita and the jailbreak hmm. and all that stuff. But um, I did end up <laughs> after all that. I played literally 45 seconds of 10 second ninja <laughs> on the Vita. Uh, and I was like, ah, yeah, I don't think I need this on this thing. Uh, and then I picked up the Steam Deck and finally started Transistor. Oh, yes. Oh, trans I love Transistor. That was a great game. Um, yeah, it was one that like I really was excited for. And then um, just it was in that... Well, one of the many times in my life where feel guilty about playing games slash doing a lot of um, uh, starting but not finishing games, etc. Or buying games, hoping to find the time to blah. But mm. from what I recall, it's like a sub 10 hour game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I... It, it, at no point have I ever been like, ah, that was a neat idea buying that, but I don't think I'll ever do it. This was mm -hmm. a game that I've always been interested in, um, only like, you know, a few upgrades, a couple levels in. But yep. man, it's so goddamn pretty yeah. already. And it, it even on the small screen of the Steam Deck, it looks gorgeous. The sound uh, design's really good. Um, it's really um, responsive. Is, mm -hmm. it, is it what I'd say? Um, I will say it. Uh, it's not trying to hold your hand and tutorialize you. You start with two moves, and you've got four slots, and then you upgrade things every or get things on new levels. And it's just like you could put this in an upgrade slot or buy its own move, and then it'll be like this upgrade. It will when it's in a move. Like I got mask as my first upgrade, so it was like. You will go in stealth mode, and it'll mean when you hit something from behind, when you come out of stealth, you do bonus damage. Mm -hmm. But if you use it as an enhancement on another move, it'll give that one bonus backstabbing damage. But also, if you put it in your passive slots, which are currently locked, so good luck trying to do that, <laughs> um, You'll when you kill an enemy and collect its cell, you'll briefly get a speed boost and go into stealth. So you can like do, you can use it as like a hit-and-run tactic. And I was like, oh, shit, this is super deep. Mm. On level one, I realized, oh, God, I'm going to have analysis paralysis if I'm not careful. <laughs> or I'll fall down to, like, Elden Ring optimal build type thing. And I was like, nope, 
you took mask because you like playing stealth characters even though you think bounce is probably the better move that just do whatever and then like i died the first time and it disabled my little dash move that i had unlo i had unlocked or whatever or found and i was like oh shit did i just lose that turns out no you just like things you just when you die you lose one of your like upgrades or your moves uh, for until you get to the next two access points, mm -hmm. which it was like, ah, oh, two access points. Because, uh, but it's neat because I would, had already started to lean on the dash to like do a bit of hit and run or do a bit of like, because the dash works outside of combat. So it was like, a, oh, I don't need to plan too much. Because, like, for those of you who don't know, you, your base move is turn and everything freezes and you can kind of strategically move around and plan moves against things and it'll tell you what will happen to them and like a little bubble will pop up and like it's at 250 and if you backstab it it'll be at 200 or like 150 and then if you hit it again it'll be at 50 100 and then you can kind of you can move around in that so it's kind of like doing um like a tactics type thing but you're moving not in bricks but in amount of there's like a i'm sure maybe you can find out but you have if you move around too much, you'll run out of t things you can do in turn. You can only do so many moves. Um, mm. And then after that, you don't get to use any of your moves. So before you go into turn, you can kind of just play it real time. Yes. And all your moves work. But until your like meter fills back up and such that you can use turn again, you can't use anything except for John or a couple of like outliers, which didn't realize right away. And so I was like, ah, I'll just like beat this guy up a lot and then continue beating him up. Oh, I can't. Because <laughs> I was killing things too quickly to realize I couldn't you keep fighting in the yeah. first little chunk of the game. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, I died because I didn't realize I had to, if, if I'm going to go in, a, going into the belly of the beast isn't great if there's multiple of them, unless you like are planning to hit a bit and running away or have some other thing, right? Um, but it losing a ability that I was relying on meant I had to, I kind of just was like shit. How do I make this work? When I got to the first, um, the next access point, right? I was like, okay, I still don't have this thing. So I just like tried different combinations of whatever sets were left, and I was like, oh, this is actually a really smart way of having lives have repercussion because you can't get stuck in a build because as soon as you get to a point where you you die you will likely lose something that you were relying on, so your playstyle has to change. Mm. I think it's very smart in that way. That it doesn't force you to kind of use all of the tools that are in front of you. You can play this as like an action game. You can, you can absolutely never go into that uh, 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 kind of uh, slowed down mode and line up all of the moves that you want to make. You could just bash your way kind of through this. Um, and it's, it's a, as a, uh, from Supergiant as a kind of prequel almost to sort of like the Hades formula, mm. it sort of shows, I think, a uh, like an early build of, of, of Hades almost. But with that extra element of being able to slow everything down and line up your kind of optimal sort of moves that you want to do or, or looking to optimize a set of moves to get kind of like maximum damage and, and things out of it rather than just hacking away at stuff. It 
it kind of makes it slightly more not necessarily uh, intelligent, but it, it it gives you that extra bit of strategy to be able to think things through a little bit more than the kind of slightly more reactive and, and very kind of like twitchy sense that that Hades is. You know, Hades feels very twitchy. It's very reactive to kind of the the enemies that come, and you can make your build and do all of these kinds of things. But it is to just get bigger and be able to deal with the the, the th- kind of the threats that are coming in front of you, which are mm. almost a bit unknown um, in in Hades. Whereas Transistor, it is kind of progressing through unknown enemies and and, and those kinds of things and unknown abilities which you can unlock and sort of thing. But it just allows you a a sense of build maybe a little bit more than Hades does as well. Um, and it's maybe more of a strategic game that's so incredibly similar to Hades, um, but it just sits apart from it very slightly. Um, and I, I absolutely love Transistor. I think I played it on like PlayStation 3, maybe, because um, it's a 2014 game, so almost 10 years old. Um, it, and it still looks. Is it a PlayStation Three? Maybe it was a. Maybe it was a very early, early PS4 game. Yeah, um, it was a Windows PS4 OS X Linux right. game, and then came to iOS the next year. Wow, cool. So uh, very early within the PlayStation 4's uh, life. Then I think I uh, I played this. This was one of those games I think I saw like on release and was like, yes, that. That looks like a kind of game for me. I shall play it. Um, but yeah, I, I, interesting to go back to something oh, like that as, as well. Considering like um, uh, Supergiant are really good in iterating and kind of moving through various games. Uh, uh, you know, from going from Bastion to Transistor, then going to Pi, which I didn't play, but is it's on my list. I, I think but. very not similar to Transistor, but follows that kind of vein. It's a bit more um, kind of tactics, a bit more strategy, while still living in this kind of like action, real time sort of space. Mm. Um, to then just go to Hades uh, as a roguelike action kind of game, for them to have Hades as their like a big hit, you know, uh, Bastion, Transistor, both incredibly critically acclaimed games. But- they never really broke out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and Hades then being the critically acclaimed game which did numbers and then going, cool, our next game is Hades 2. Like, it makes sense business-wise, absolutely. Yeah, to, 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 I, to, I have to, to admit I was that. a little disappointed that they in the same way, right? I agree, I agree. Because I want to know, because as a studio they seem so clever in that iterative process and the I'm hoping they're really going to do a different type of game and just capitalize on the Hades brand. Yeah. That would be really good. Uh there's probably a big section of the base of uh Hades users who do not want that. Who want more of the same essentially. Not the same different different abilities you know it's going with a different character this time um and 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 stuff but i think it would be really good to to again iterate in a a reasonable kind of jump rather than just you had this before it does something slightly different you had this before it's now this instead you know uh having an extra element or changing the perspective or some of the core gameplay 
I think is what Supergiant do incredibly well. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a reasonably big studio now um, and dependent on the scope of, of Hades 2, hopefully, maybe they're making something else as well. Um, but yeah, yet to be seen. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping to use my downtime in the next couple of days to to kind of not crank through it, but like enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it, it hit the right spot at like half eleven yesterday. I'm like, oh yeah, this <laughs> is great. I was like, oh, I like game. Why yes. don't I game more? Um. I think I've been in a bit of a like watching random YouTube rut as far as downtime is concerned. Mm. And maybe I've finally had enough decomp from a very busy year uh, to be like, I'd like active downtime. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and it's like, right. I do like video games. I, I have to say, I, I, I've been thinking about figuring out if I can find a new schedule time for streaming again because it made mm. me play games and it's actually been it was really healthy for me in the pandemic and post-pandemic yes. to have that time to force myself to do like performative yeah sure and it's a bit draining one way but still just like i'm playing a game and often i would play more of the game not on stream but like mm -hmm. it's a it's a i have a weird relationship with the hobby when i'm busy sure um i, I suppose it's as you say, slightly performative, but maybe something like once a week, a little kind of hour or two sort of slot. Yeah, like what I, what um, I did before, right? It was yeah, Tuesdays from yeah. 2 to 4 or whatever, and it was just like, look, guys, you're giving us a code. Adil's going to play the first couple hours. We're going to maybe talk about it on the podcast. We might put it on YouTube unedited. Mm. Again, we're not trying to grow into like a advertising subscriber-based behemoth, so it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's like a suboptimal... Sure. Like... If we had someone who wanted to edit videos, by God, yeah, fuck, I'll I'll say my <laughs> stupid ahead. quips and you can cut the middleman out, but I don't have the time to do that, Absolutely. and it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I have to I mean, say one that, thing that I read be, about... I, oh, go on. I, I was going to say, I, I'd enjoy sitting here, as I used to, whilst doing some work, just having you on uh, mm. and watching you playing something. Um, gives a little bit more, again for the podcast is a little bit more context and a little bit more kind of conversation around seeing things that you had done as well mm -hmm. for kind of direct conversation around those kinds of elements. Uh, um, um, so yeah, if, if, if you, yeah, if you have the time, I um, mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, one thing I did learn out of this year, besides that, um, L bands slash Y bands is a hell of a drug and you shouldn't take too much of it. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, so you did know because you saw me when I was bionic, right? When yes. I recorded the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I still haven't had caffeine uh, because I need to wait for the analyst to send the data back to the GP who said the premise of this whole exercise was then they would immediately send it, they would send it to cardiology because it's too weird a thing and they were not enough of an expert I'm like the one on the analyst just send us to the cardiologist yeah. but no that's not how it works um so actually I think I um I'm in the <laughs> I, I've had to tell my family like oh yeah by the way just a reminder I'm vegan not vegetarian oh also 
Or can't have any caffeine. This is an Indian family where we start the day with chai. Um, <laughs> like, what have I become? It's like my 40th birthday is looming. <laughs> I also drink way less. I've been like a bit better about... Like I've, for the past month or so, kind of been like, I might start the day with a non-alcoholic or something just to like make sure when I want a beer, it's because I want a beer or not because I'm at a pub. Sure, yeah. Today's not one of those days. I had I had two half pints at the Holy Grail, and I'm having possibly two beers now. <laughs> oh no! But old habits, it turns out. Uh, yeah. Um, talking of beers, um, unless there's anything additional you want to say. Oh, about what I wanted to say was in my like slight um, reading up on Transistor because I was like, oh, man, I don't remember any of the zeitgeist. Mm. Supergiant uh, had actually um, mentioned that. Um, Magic the Gathering was a key early influence on the combat because oh. they, they were thinking... So the way they think of the moves, the little programs, subroutines, as I call them, um, is mm-hmm. they thought them of them as like cards in a deck, but in order to streamline the system, they ended up going to a simplified deck of 16 functions. But the whole point of like cards having... Uh, multiple like roles is it is very magic gathering in the sense of like this spell does this but in this context it would do this totally other thing and that's sure. what like was the the notion which they eventually changed to like uh, a card as a move and a card as an upgrade like to as a, a slot move, right mm. as a slot yeah but I just thought it was really interesting that they like saw that what they took from magic was with the right degree of complexity uh, a card can play very different roles, right? Yeah, the variability. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, as a final comment from me from Transistor, uh, mm. the sound design in that game is probably one of the best of any game ever made. Um, it, it, it's soundtrack-wise, uh, um, just uh, world sounds and effects and combat and stuff is just so so good um i love a bit of jazz and i think the only other game that's come close to transistor on that sort of same thing is like ape out um which again it's its own reactive um sort of uh soundtrack to it um but yeah, that it, it's got such a phenomenal soundtrack. It's a very... Transistor's just such a well-made product um, that even as a nearly 10-year-old game, mm. I think it is a... It's an it's such an easy sell to people to, to play, especially those who've played Hades and want to kind of explore that genre that, that little bit more. Transistor is absolutely up there as best of... You know, it's it's got to be, and and it must have had multiple game of the year uh, nominations for 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 that year as well. I would think. Um, cool. We'll move on from transistor then. Uh, Madeline, you're gonna open another beer, I think. Yeah. Uh, so this beer, which we've already kind of spoiled, is the Travis Trappist Rockabore Eight. Mm. Like I've said multiple podcasts, because this is probably my most drunk beer on the podcast now that I think about it, because it's one of my favorite beers. It's got to be, absolutely, yeah. Because I've definitely had it, I think, at least twice on air. Mm. And this will be lucky number three. Um, 
So it is a 9.2% Trappist. It uh, brewed with water, malted barley, sugar, yeast, hop, and spices. 33 centiliters, 9.2%. Um, I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't had this, even if you're not into dark beers, even if you're not into Trappist beers, try it out. Mm. Now I'll pour it. Um, <laughs> I think out of the I mean, three, we we you know we've done this before. We've we've gone through kind of the three beers, the six. Yeah, eight, so they and have the, the six, eight, and ten, a single, yep. double, and triple. Yep, we've we've compared it against other kind of doubles as well, or, or Trappist doubles at least, or Belgian doubles, <laughs> mm. um, and and stuff, and it just comes out on top all yeah. the fucking time. <laughs> I think it's it's a really. What I like about it is it proved to me that I didn't just like boozy, boozy beers because the 10 is much, so the 10 is like a 12% or something, right? Mm. It's like a 6 point something, a 9 point something, and a 12%. Uh, and it's boozy, and it's sweet, and it's too much of both, in my opinion. Mm. And this is a 9.2% beer, which most people say is too much for a beer, right? But like, it pours with a lovely kind of thick head, so it's probably lost half of its weight. But unlike the last one, you'll notice it's still sticking around. Yeah. Um, it is actually lighter and more orangier in color. Mm. It looks with the ring light folk uh, throwing through it. It actually has looks almost like a red ale, but with just the room light. Even then, actually, uh, it, yeah, it just looks quite. Quite a bit less dark mm-hmm. than the Tint Meadow. It's going to be an appreciation of just how dark, because the, the Tint Meadow does describe itself as a dark ale, I think. Yeah. Strong dark ale. And this is, I mean, this is just a Trappist uh, double. Um, there's me pouring the rest of it in. You can see the head grows really well and slowly starts to diminish. Those of you in the audio, imagine what I just said. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot how light the noses on this beer mm. it's got it's got a clean water like it's got this clean not clinical but clean sort mm-hmm. of um nose you don't get any of the alcohol you get some of the spices but all very light and it's such a delicate nose i think i think i'm a little too um boozed out from the tint meadow to get any real notes okay Again, I just it, it like it, it just smells much more like um yeah more watery and I don't mean watery I just mean like like clean there's not less yeah clean not a lot going mm. on mm. um not as in like it smells like a watery beer it doesn't smell like a Coors is what I'm saying um <laughs> oh fuck I love this beer. I am um, now super curious how I've described this in the past, having mentioned that um, I'm trying to see if I can. I, I muted because I didn't want to, the click clack, but fuck it. Um, Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. People expect it. You so long to load. Um, but yeah, so the Rock 4 8, it's. Yeah, I would say it's a ready copper color rather than like a dark. It's like dark brown orange color like the last one. Um it's so smooth. And again, that that like 9.2%, there's a sweetness to it that just rides all the way through. It's definitely the alcohol, but it doesn't taste like it. 
There's no sickly sweetness about it at all. Um, it's um. I think what I like about it is it's a dark ale. It does have a sweetness to it. It gives you, uh, because of the spices, I assume, I don't think it's a hops, mm. but you get like dried dates and dried raisins a bit on the finish. Mm -hmm. um, before it just again goes to this very clean but sweet finishing taste. Um, oh. It's just so malty and like, again, the sugariness is like brown sugar or something like dark and smooth uh, rather than alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you haven't had it, it's, it's like brown sugar, not quite Denver, just brown sugar, like sprinkled on kind of dried fruit mm -hmm. uh, wrapped in malt. <laughs> Nope. Hello. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, and um, and I guess that sweetness has maybe maybe like a caramel coating in the malts. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know what you've had. This is this, yeah. I think those are all the notes, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. It's, it doesn't even matter what the notes are. Is the thing is like it's one of those beers where like I could look for the notes, but really when I drink it, I'm just like, God damn, that's good. <laughs> I don't care. It's dried fruits. I care. It's just fucking great. And there's no moment in the taste curve that separates. Yes, I think that's what makes this such a magic beer is the fact that it's not that there aren't other tastes; it's they flow so well into each other mm -hmm. that you're just like. Yeah, that was a great tasting beer. And you have to like force yourself to look for the notes because they do switch places. Yeah. Absolutely. The dried fruits aren't there at the finish. The caramelliness and brown sugar it kind of lingers a bit more. But you're never gonna do that if you just sip it because it all just flows well and they're all mostly there most of the time in a very good way. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they are muddled, it's just that they're blended well. So there's just this taste. Yes. Really yeah, nice absolutely. taste that that isn't mono taste. It has a curve, but it feels continuous in a way that like most beers can't be, do. And that's actually kind of the part of the fun part of what we do here at Tanked Up is the fact that most beers don't do that. So you can kind of like look for it and be like, oh yeah, in the finish, this like estery thing pops out. Isn't that neat? And like, it's good that it has a transition zone and blah, blah, blah. And we, all the no, poncy shit we say every week it, it isn't easy to do with this beer because it's just such a great flow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if people want more, Rock Four Eight, mm. um, you drank it uh, on episode two hundred and twenty-five, uh, we, where we were joined by Sean and Dave from Pillbug. And, oh yeah. Um, it was also. I think they drank, also talked about it a bit, right? Uh, they might have done. I would imagine that Sean's drank that. That's a, that's definitely a Sean beer. Um, it was also drank then by Curtis from Bitrock Games on episode three hundred and twenty-six as well. Um, we definitely drank it before that. It would have appeared uh, on early episodes like when Alex something. was with us as well. You know, super super single, either single or just double-digit um, episodes as well. Um, it's a beer that has. The, that's kind of lived with us through our craft beer journey um you know 
Yeah, it's really good. It's just it is just a fantastic beer, absolutely. Um, maybe we'll get back to it and the Tint Meadow uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, but you mentioned you had a, a, a small topic for this week as well. Um, yeah, so in the, again, for those who keep track, I uh, picked up the Vita, put all my old games, uh, the games I owned on it, and then I was like, well, what does it take to jailbreak it? And then uh, looked at games I could um, not have to grab my cartridges for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then immediately picked up the Steam Deck and played Transistor. <laughs> but uh, that whole exercise had, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a 256 gig micro SD card in the Vita. And part of this was like the completionist library searching, get the, the, the games I'm interested in stuff and then wait for them to install and... That stuff kind of got in the way of using the device to play games. Uh, <laughs> but um, it got me thinking. So, like, I was looking at some of these things, and some of these games are like, oh, yeah, I remember wanting to play this on the Vita. Do I actually want to play it ever? Right? Mm. Like, okay. uh, and so actually, I'm filling up the Vita with like weird corner. I mean, it's the Vita, so of course I'm filling it up with weird Japanese games that were inexplicably like. Um, localized and released to the English speaking market because that's what the Vita was. Yeah. Um, but uh, it also can handle PSP games and PS1 games. Uh, and it's like, I'm never going to play anything. Like, at first I was like, oh man, uh, you know what? I don't really play God of War games. Maybe I'll play the like recap collection that was released on the PSP or Vita or whatever it was. I was like, nope, you know what? I'm never going to do that. Why would I waste anyone's time, like bandwidth, etc.? do i actually want to play these games and like and so it ends it's ended up being like a weird so games like nova 111 that we've talked about in, oh yeah in the past yeah that's a small enough game that it's not going to be perfect on the vita but i would probably play it on the vita hmm. and so i was just so one of the topics so the, so one of it is just the realization of like matching availability to platform but the other was like how much post so i had a conversation with someone about um actually i was reporting the uh, recording another chunk of glass onion minute mm -hmm. and ollie my guest uh for the, that week that uh, the that set of episodes uh recorded um i hosted was like he basically said, like, streaming is so weird that, like, if he didn't have to record this podcast, if he didn't see Glass Onion right away, he's not sure he ever would have seen it because of this, like, churn of, of like, what's out now? Um, sure. Drowning, if you don't watch a thing out when it's first released, it basically doesn't exist. Uh, and I thought about this in the longer run of, like, it's an interesting question to ask about would you ever play in a game that was released on an older system mm -hmm. that you would have at the time and it's not that you like care so much about graphics or fidelity or whatever but would you would you really go back so i just thought that was a uh, given the my journey with the vita but also ollie's quest statement about um and to be honest like i loved knives out um but when i missed the first couple of months of glass onion if i didn't have this podcast i'm not sure when when i would have gone around to it even though i really wanted to get around to it and like if i think about a whole shit ton of shows and movies that have been on Netflix or Amazon Prime, it's the same thing. I don't actually watch TV 
So I don't watch streaming TV and movies that much compared to some other people I know. Yeah. And so they're just things that like everyone tells me I'll enjoy and I'm not like against them, but I've not seen. And now they're like eight years old. And I'm like, I don't think I'll ever watch that. Not because it's bad, but because I'm almost 40 and realize that I'm mortal. Um, and I so the, the like gaming platform version of that where we're not looking at last week's streaming shows, but we're looking at like a generation or two ago. Mm. I thought it'd be interesting to just talk about, see what your thoughts were on like older games that you didn't hate or were interested in, but didn't get around to. Do you think you'll ever get there? I I, I think we've we've kind of skirted this topic previously when we've talked about our, our libraries or you know Game Pass and and PS Plus and getting games that are that little bit older. I think the answer for me is always. And has always, at least whilst we've been doing the podcast, been more of a, I don't think I've got the time to 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 get to it with all of these other kind of, you know, the new releases and, and codes that we get coming through and, and things that I want to look at playing, you know, new games that are coming out and, and stuff. Um, but there are those, there's, there's games that I go back to a little bit, mostly kind of like strategy games like Civ Six and, and and that sort of stuff, where I will pick it up from kind of time to time. But that's stuff I've already played. Um, if mm. it's one of those where, if say like a new instalment in a franchise that I enjoy comes out, I'm likely to pick it up. You know, okay, I haven't picked up Baldur's Gate Three, um, but. I, That's actually one of the things that keep this whole thing. Yeah, up. yeah. So I, you know, I played the original two games. Um, have played things like Pillars of Eternity, um, and I, I like the isometric kind of ARPG style of of games. You know, a lot of Diablo and, and or not Diablo Four actually, um, but I enjoy that style of game. Mm. But I haven't been pushed to play Baldur's Gate three or even Diablo four. Um, oh, I mean, I haven't for the Diablo games because one, they're not quite my cup of tea. I, I never finished a lot of them, but also because of the microtransactions. Yeah, I don't know with four. Um, uh, obviously, previous ones like two. It's mm. it's, a, it's a fantastic game. Diablo two is like one of the best games I've oh, ever fucking made. Um, hard agree. However. If I've missed those games now, do I think maybe in like two or three years' time I would go back to them? Like maybe, but my time is becoming so limited to have you know in in terms of entertainment that I think I've always and it's always been a little bit like that kind of like right I've got a load of work to do I've got like three hours to play something tonight. Now it's mm. like, cool, I've got a load of work to do. I will just work all night. Uh, I've got three hours a week to play something. It's usually... Na- it's My thought will always be, what is it next? What is the next game to kind of get into? What's the newest iteration of something? What's the newest version of something I can play? Cool, Diablo 4 came out. Oh, but Baldur's Gate gives a similar kind of thing. I should play that. Oh, but actually, you know, uh, let's make up a game. Mutant Year Zero 2 has Mm. come out and it gives a similar kind of thing or pillars of eternity six has come out and it gives a similar kind of thing 
that's the one I think I would gravitate towards. You know, the one that's released a month, six months previous, rather than something that is two or three years old, potentially. Um, Not because I feel like I've missed that, more because I think and I feel that a newer version will give me a more modern and more iterative experience, Mm. I suppose. Even if it's not in the same franchise. But you get so many games which uh, don't clone necessarily, but but take elements, copy certain elements and, and things like that, that I think it's very easy to find a facsimile which is more modern and might have more quality of life elements to it um, that unless there is something which has been so critically acclaimed for a very specific thing that I cannot get anywhere else you know, writing or experience or something like that that I wouldn't go back to it you know, there's some things that maybe if I hadn't played Transistor mm. you can kind of get everything that Transistor gives you in Hades and if you have a very limited time to play games and you want an experience that is very similar, Hades is probably the top tier game to to pick up and go and play. So that yeah. would be like the recommendation to do. Um, if Baldur's Gate 3, you know, in, in two years time has had a few copies or not copies necessarily, but other games in that similar kind of genre have come out since. But everyone is like, the, the choice system in Baldur's Gate 3, the impact that it has on the world is still the best that has been produced in two years' time, then that is the game to play, right? Go mm. back and play Baldur's Gate 3, sure. Um, so I think it takes something very specific but very good for me to go back to a game um, and experience it, say, like for the first time, if I've missed it over a, a, a couple of year period, probably. Yeah, I think that's um so I guess what again one of the things that struck me was like while looking through the Vita and PSP like libraries and like potential games I was like oh the handheld moment of like playing in bed or like taking on a plane mm. uh, actually gives me the right space to think about these old games yeah in a different way than like sitting at my computer there's just spoiled for choice I'm going to go for the new or like the the less stale things in my giant Steam yeah. library, right? And it was like, oh, this is this to me. This is super interesting because it's like um, the form factor is doing some work there, but also like because some games just won't play as well handheld versus mm-hmm. big screen. Uh, but actually, it's the weird limitation, right? Like. Um, there's a couple games in the Vita I never finished, but like one of the reasons why I picked up the Vita was because I knew I owned FF1 through X2. Yes. Yeah. On the Vita. And I was like, I know the Vita is a great game to play that type of game, a mm. great system to play that type of game. And actually, I think it's better than the Steam Deck for those games because it's smaller. It's got a crisp screen. It's lower resolution than the Steam Deck, and that's good because these are old games that don't yeah, want yeah. big resolution, like shit like that. It was just like, and I remember playing Final Fantasy X a bit on the Vita, knowing it, it the port was fine, the remaster port for the Vita was fine compared to the because it's a PS2 game, right? Like yes, and so I never played Ten Two, um, and it was like, oh yeah, I don't want to play those games 
when I'm sitting at my computer. I don't want to play them when I'm sitting in my lounge. I might play them. I originally was looking at playing uh, an old school RPG on the Steam Deck. And I was like, oh, actually, the Vita is way better because it's lighter and it has a longer battery life. And like, if I just want to play one of these in bed before I fall asleep, that's better than the Steam Deck because because mm. it's just smaller and it does the thing I need. And then, then I thought like, oh, okay, so what other like of those types of games have I missed out on? And then I looked at Vita Vet um, Library, I'm like, oh, a billion ones. I don't know if they're any good. Uh, but the Vita sure had a bunch of JRPGs and weird games. Yeah. Oh, I got 250 gigs. Let's just play the game of filling the card up and then play the Steam Deck instead. Yeah, you're, uh, you're a one-man preservation society for, for yeah. games almost. Um, but again, I think it's, 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 it's juggling kind of that essence that like Final Fantasy X-2... The, the the main pull of that game is that it's it's a direct sequel to Final Fantasy X. So people who have played Final Fantasy X and want to experience more of that story, playing X two makes sense. But actually, yeah. they changed the game in a way that X two has a costume system. So it's only got three characters to play as, but it has a costume system. Uh, I, bl- I believe can... the the zeitgeist called it "Pretty Princess Dress Me Up." Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is that. Um, the, the, in a good way, to be clear. Yes. That reflects, I think, Final Fantasy V, maybe? Um, or a shift in job systems in Final Fantasy games. Um, but again, if you want to play a pixel version of it, there is an older Final Fantasy game which has a similar kind of mechanic to it. But actually, as a slightly more modern take, you'd probably pick Ten Two. And I don't think any other game has that level of kind of job switching and things like that. Uh, the same as like Final Fantasy twelve. It had a very good upgrade system. Like the the, the web which built on what was was done in ten um is very good. But that's not like a selling point for a game necessarily. That even with those bigger experiences versus something small. So when you pick like a tiny game, something like uh, uh, let's take uh, a critically acclaimed tiny game uh, like uh, uh, Limbo or Insight, mm. something like that. Those are games to to go back to if you missed, right? Because they do something that a lot of other games have never replicated kind of since. And actually, mm. having an experience of something like Inside on a slightly different and slightly more personal smaller screen so and I, I don't think inside exists as a as a vita game limbo might exist as a vita game maybe it caught the vita um but i think something like that is a is a, is a, a good little pull to play on those kinds of kind of consoles um versus saying cool i'm picking x game because it has this feature that no other game has ever kind of uh picked um i don't know whether again when we were talking around this i mentioned kind of uh uh having the the cart for the ds and essentially filling it up with a bunch of japanese games that Mm. i'd never heard of let alone played any iteration kind of of and the one that always sticks out to me is elite beat agents 
and it's basically mm. like uh, it's just a rhythm game right but it's one of the kind of first rhythm games i guess i ever sort of played where there's just these three kind of characters dancing and you're tapping the screen or pressing buttons in the beat to sort of the game like this is fucking cool i love this um so having an experience that you've never had before absolutely that that's the kind of the thing to or at least in my opinion the thing to sort of chase with this slightly more uh, uh, nostalgic kind of look back on things um, and it, it, it's easy to go back to, to games like Civilization 6 and go cool I'll play like you know a game of this mm-hmm. but actually then I think when I played Civ 6 I got bored quite quickly so like I've done this I, I, I've mm. played this game I played it when it came out I don't I don't need this experience kind of right now so for me it's definitely chasing you know, slightly different experiences, I would say, in that in that space. Great. I mean, yeah, so I think I really just want to talk about, like, as gaming gets older, um, like, and, like, you were looking at FF8, and, like, mm. old games, for me, very similarly, right? I was looking at Final Fantasy games because I have nostalgia... Yep. Not because I have like an urge to revisit, but there is something to be valued about some old games, mm-hmm. even if they don't, even if they're clunky. And like, um, I've been meaning to like check out the Persona games, and I like did a yes. Reddit deep yep. dive, and people like, if you want to play more than one of these, start with Persona Three, and then there's this weird argument about which version of it. Who, which fine, whatever. I don't want to get into that. Um, but the reason being is if you play Persona 5 because of all the like quality of life upgrades, mm. you're not going to enjoy 3 and 4, but they're good, good stories. And if you don't kind of, if you don't know any better, you'll enjoy 3 and 4. Sure. And then when you hit 5, you're like, oh, this is even better. But if you play 5, you can't go backwards because there's this like the interactive and the iterative and the like technological role that games have that like books and movies really don't, except for like, the bad times of early CG and like the move to uh, digital cameras, such that like 1999 through 2008 is a bad time to, for movies to rewatch them. Mm, mm. <laughs> right? Um, that's like the only thing film has really had. Well, I, I guess that's why we have so many game remasters, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 something like the Yakuza series, which has split off into. Uh, 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 like a judgment, and then the like a dragon, or at least the, the, they're called kind of over here, uh, uh, the like a dragon games. Uh, um, mm. These kinds of games that have come out in Japan a couple of years ago and then have found their way over over here to us. That there is the uh, kind of collection which bundles, I think, Yakuza One, Two, and Zero together um, as remastered versions, because. I suppose from a nostalgic point of view, people wanted to revisit them, but didn't want to experience the game in that same sort of, you know, slightly blocky, slow, maybe a little bit clunky kind of sense. And you even with the Persona games, there's like Persona 3, uh, like Golden, and is, yeah. it, is it S that came out as well? Or maybe that That's was 5 why I brought uh, up S that, that came out as well. Um 
that they are, you know, developers are going back to their older catalogs and updating them very slightly as new products. That you can get to a point where actually, and we've talked about uh, um, Yakuza a little bit, and being like, cool, I, we realistically start them in order that they've been produced, not necessarily chronological order, but run if you're going to run through these games, run through them like one, two, three, four, zero, five, six, and then into the Like a Dragon and Judgment kind of games, mm. you know, going going further from from those. So, in almost in the back of our minds, we already have these thoughts of being like, if I play the latest version, I will play ten minutes of the first game and never want to go back to it. Kind of ever again probably i'll just play the latest game again yeah the same as like you're going to play Elden ring you'll go and play demon souls on a ps3 because you have the system and the game literally and you're describing go, nope. my living room at this turn, point <laughs> yep turn turn that one off maybe play the remastered version on ps5 or just go back to Elden yeah. ring again and play more of that instead there is always a better experience. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing about games. And like we talk about like old games and like taking them as they are, but like with remasters and things, you kind of don't have to in the certain sure. sense. And also, like there's enough, there's too many games. Like I literally own enough games that if I stopped buying them now, I would die before I finished all of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's not because I'm a weird heart issues. That's just like a. No, absolutely, absolutely. But and what am I doing? I'm thinking of starting another Final Fantasy blah again because I fucking love those games. And it's like, yeah, I don't want necessarily new games. I'm like eyeing Baldur's Gate three and then realizing it's about what you want in the moment. And mm. like some of the old games just tend not to be that in a certain sense because unless you have nostalgia, there's just like it. I think what it is is like. The entertainment part of gaming as an art form is still front and center. There's so few games that are like art for art's sake. Sure. That like, look, when you have a type of entertainment um, that is more polished, I don't know, lean towards that. And I think mm. it can be that simple, right? The reason why both of us who appreciate old games have played old games and will play old games the rest of our lives, like still live in the zeitgeist, et cetera, is because ultimately there are very few games that you play not just for entertainment. And nostalgia is one of the, the things that brings you there. Yeah. And like Before Your Eyes is one of those games that like really tickled me in a way that it was an art interactive mm. thing that you couldn't do with a book or movie. Um, but at the end of the day, it was still entertainment, even though it was a very interesting and heart rendering story. If I wasn't entertained, including the novelty of the way it like communicated and made you interact, I wouldn't be so strongly into it. And because of the moment I had it, and like it's got a fairly forgiving art style, etc. In five years, I'm still going to recommend it to people. I don't know if I will in fifteen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and that's just a fact, which is weird. I mean, again, I think this is why I like games because they're such a unique art form that's like really hasn't come to grips with themselves as an art form. Mm, absolutely, absolutely, and it, and it will only evolve and iterate again more yeah. so. You know, film as um, a, a, a as an art form is kind of limited in terms of its kind of iterative ability. 
Um, uh, games has got that massive breadth of what you can kind of do um, as an active entertainment product uh, uh, versus film or, 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 or books, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if you asked us the same question in five years' time, we'd, we'd have a different answer again. Uh, um, Maybe even in two years' time, we'd have a different answer again or a different life not necessarily time period, but just a different point yeah, in your different life. Stages, you know, a different right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll have still managed to have to apply to the same job for the fifteenth year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sighs> oh dear. Still wondering in, in August that you've got a whole curriculum to write in two weeks' time whether you're going to be yeah. doing it uh, or not. Um, it's a good place for us to finish, I suppose, yeah. this week. Um, so, uh, we'll return to the beers. Um, mm-hmm. I will mention one thing, that I enjoyed it. The sweetness dulled down very slightly, um, but it was just as drinkable. The chewiness disappeared a little bit as well, uh, but it's a very nice beer. Uh, um, Super Smash from... What was that Brasserie de Abbas? Um, yeah, if you're in France, if you're in Brittany, look for it. It's good. Um, but the experiment of the evening, the Trappists. Uh, I mean, no, I, I kind of told everyone and knew what the things were going to be because it's one of my favorite beers. And like, we've just talked about nostalgia and like the goggles has and like, but no, I think the Rock 48 is a better beer, and I mm-hmm. don't think that's a shock, nor do I think the Tint Meadow would be insulted by that. Sure. It's one of the best beers in the world. Yeah. Uh, but I actually really enjoy the Tint Meadow, and I'm going to start seeking it out more often. Kind of like I said, it's like, it's weirdly, it's like a darker ale mm. with a lighter ABV. It's a bit more cola-y, but also that like, it it's a it's got a thinness to its like texture, that belies even 7.4%, um, which may, means like it's like I called it like a summer Trappist beer. And like, mm-hmm. I'm never not in the mood for a Trappist beer, if I'm honest. And so like, if if it was like even 25 degrees and I was at a pub and they were like, we got Tent Meadow, I'd be like, I could have that. I I would want the Rock 4A because I always want the Rock 4A, <laughs> yes. but I wouldn't order it, right, on a like... On a, I could have a 20 degree, 22 degree, maybe 25 might be pushing it, but like patio tint meadow. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do that with the Rock 40. Yeah, fair. Um, and that's really interesting. Uh, they also live in very different spaces, right? The Rock 4 is much more brown sugar, dried fruit. And again, this like just beautiful presentation and, and and taste curve that's like not a curve it's like a contiguous vector or something uh the tint meadow is um it's got that licorice it's got that um it's got a slightly cola-esque taste which again mm-hmm. really may i think that's one of the reasons why i think it'd be good on a hot day it doesn't taste like cola but has just that hint that and that again that thinness which is not a bad thing, right? It, it, it just means that it has like more flexibility to not feel a bit too heavy or a bit too overwhelming uh, on, in, in like a non-standard Trappist Ale moment in time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm a fan of both of them. I'm 
one of the biggest champions of the Rock 4-8. But, like, the Tent Meadow is, I think, I, I'm just going to keep an eye out for it. Like, it's made in Leicestershire, I think. Um, but I'm I'm sold. The English can do Trappist. It's the only <laughs> one in England. And, like, yeah. Uh, if that means it's affordable here in the same way that when I was in the Netherlands and you, in Fran you were in France, you could just find the Rock 8. Um, I would have a lot more of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it becomes a supermarket staple over here, we know that we're living in a golden age yeah. of, uh, uh, of stuff. It will be like 10 quid, but it's available at least in the supermarket. Yeah. Um, good. So they're the beers and they're the games that we've discussed this week. If you want to let us know what you've been drinking or playing, we're at Tanks Up Cast on the socials. I'm at Nova underscore 47. Adel is... At the Omniarch. And you should go to outoflives.net to... Look at the beers that we've been drinking in video form, if you don't already, uh, or the YouTube page as well, where you can see, as mentioned, Adel's previous streams of lots of yeah. games. Um, when was the last one? Maybe like 18 months ago? Yeah. Something like that. Maybe 14 months ago. Uh, we might that. actually... So YouTube now has a podcast um, section. Oh, or title, so we might end up rejigging Ooh. the the studio, um, the uh, the channel. Okay, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's fine. Um, sorry, I was distracted trying to find our last video that wasn't tanked up. Was <laughs> first looks at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection ten months ago. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh yeah, because cool. I, I I did streamed right until I moved to Durham. Yes. Yes. And I moved to Durham October 1st, but I started my job September 1st. It was a bit of a weird year. <laughs> um, Avocado was 11 months ago. Yeah, yeah. It seems a lot longer ago than that, doesn't it? It's been a minute. Yeah, um, But yeah, so uh, head to there, and then um, if, you, if to be honest, message us on any of our platforms uh, or leave a comment on our YouTubes just saying, did you enjoy the streams and or Let's Plays? And if you want, to, want more of those to, cause like uh, I'm on the precipice and, and if you, if someone enjoyed it, I would probably do it. I did, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, All right. <laughs> no, but as Adam says, let us know listeners if you did enjoy it. Um, I think that's all the places and all of the things that we need to discuss this week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, episodes go up when we have time to put them up. So sometimes there's a bit of a lag, but mm. they'll be there for you to enjoy in the future forever. This week, we've been tagged up. Goodbye. Bye. www.outoflives.net <laughs>